this message I've titled, The Heritage of Jesus. Our text starts today in Luke 1, 46 through 49, and this is the beginning of a song of praise by Mary. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your presence this morning, God. I pray that you just plant this word like a seed in each of us, God, that it would grow slowly over time. I pray for everyone watching this morning, God, that they would receive what you want them to receive this morning. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, since it's Mother's Day, I wanted to start by telling just a couple stories about my favorite things about being a mom. So, of course, I have three awesome little ones, but they are kind of hard on occasion. But my favorite things from them are sweet little notes, cards, paintings, drawings, things I can get from the fridge, or things I can put on the fridge that they bring home from school. And I, we have this great Mother's Day tradition. I used to be a black thumb and kill every single plant that I ever received. But randomly, over 2020, I got really into plants, and I was able to keep some of them alive. I still have two thriving-ish in my house right now, but we get to go and pick out flowers, and we usually plant them all together on Mother's Day, and it is such a fun tradition. I also love my kids' snuggles, kisses, but my favorite thing that we have probably handed off to my kids is their humor. I have some funny, funny kids. My boys are constantly in competition with each other. And just the other day, they were sitting in the back of the car like they always do, and they were arguing over and over, and they wanted my attention. So over and over, Jackson and Levi would say, Mom, 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 and they would repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, until they absolutely drove me insane. That's one of my favorite things about being a mother. <laughs> Also, schedules. Schedules are also really complicated when you're a mom. So the other day, have you ever forgotten a child at school? Well, I did, but it was a schedule mix-up. Poor Austin, who's in sixth grade, she's 11 years old, was waiting outside of her school for almost a full hour for me because I forgot that she didn't have cheerleading practice. And this sweet girl who does not have a cell phone waited patiently because she was worried that if I pulled up and she wasn't there, that I would be upset with her. But thankfully, she went inside to the office, told the secretary after an hour that she thinks her mom just forgot that she didn't have cheerleading today because she is sweet like that. She wouldn't think I would forget her, obviously. So I carried on with my normal Thursday activities, hung out with the boys, went home, and got this phone call and frantically drove down to the school and grabbed Austin. And I, she was so sweet and just so forgiving. She's all, it's okay, mama. And I pray, man, that I am as forgiving as she is. I can't imagine sometimes when my parents forgot me, and I feel like I was definitely not that forgiving of them. But if I'm not mistaken, I feel like there was a time where Mary may have misplaced Jesus. I'm not comparing myself to Mary, but I'm saying that we all make mistakes as mothers, right? 
Well, we're going to go into this message, the heritage of Jesus. And because it's Mother's Day, we get to look specifically at the women in the lineage of Jesus, the mothers in the lineage of Jesus. So we're going to tie these stories into an overarching theme for each of them. It's going to be hope, joy, peace, love, and in the end, it's going to be fulfillment. We're going to start with Tamar, and this normally would not be received as a story of hope, but we are labeling this one a story of hope today. Tamar is an awesome woman in the Bible. If you really read about it, there are some crazy things that happened in her life. So let's look and see kind of how the Lord worked out and was working through her life. Tamar was the wife of Ur, Judah's son, but he was evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord put him to death. Judah told his other son to take his brother's wife, right? Because in those times, if your husband died and he had a brother, he would also take you as a wife to produce an offspring from that family. So Judah told his other son to take his brother's wife. But what he did was evil in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Now, I love the Bible. I love the Bible, but specifically I love how fast it breezes through details. It's almost as fast as I just told that story to you. But let's pause for a moment and think about what Tamar has been through in 10-ish verses in Genesis. She was married to her first husband. We don't know her history. We don't know what her life is like, but we do know that she was married to this man who the Lord thought was so evil that he killed him right? So I'm sure that wasn't the most pleasant experience in her life, but now she's battling with that and the grief, right, of losing one husband. She moves on to the next one who will not provide her an heir. He absolutely refuses to provide her an heir, and then he is killed. So we have Tamar here alone, broken, discouraged, and I think that out of that, we do crazy things, So at this point, her father-in-law promises her that when his youngest son was old enough, that she could marry him as well. Well, what do you know, okay? Judah was also a little worried, right? He's now lost two of his sons, and he's afraid that he's going to lose the third as well. Who wouldn't be afraid of that? Any of us, even if they were considered evil, we all have a blindness to our children. So I'm sure he did not want to lose his third son, And one of my favorite ways to gain understanding of people in general is just to consider their history, to consider what they've been through in life and maybe the why behind their actions. So when I read the Bible, I do take the time to consider what's going on in their lives. I take time to, you know, not judge the characters, but really go over what's happening to see why they are making the decisions they are making. And in these moments, you can judge all day what Judah and Tamar do, but you have to consider their circumstances. These are real people. Sometimes we forget that when we're reading the Bible. These are real stories. These really happen. And what would you do if you were in these circumstances? Can you imagine what Judah was going through? He's lost two of his sons. I can't imagine losing my children. So what do we do when we feel desperate? Well, We tend to try and get control of things. We tend to take matters into our own hands. That is usually not the best thing for us. But in Judah's case, he had no intention of letting Tamar marry his youngest son. And I think that she knew that. And she definitely started towards the end. So Tamar took matters into her own hands out of desperation. 
She disguised herself as a prostitute. She tricked her father-in-law and ended up pregnant by him with twins. Isn't that wild? This is a wild story. This is a story of desperation that was born out of shattered hope. You know Tamar's hope was shattered. Her life up until this point was not what she expected it to be. So this was her desperation that led her to these choices. But I'm going to ask you, even then, even in her desperation, did she know? I'm sure she didn't. Did she know that God would use her in the lineage of Jesus himself, the one who is our hope? She was hopeless. She did terrible things. She was deceitful, but God is still using her, and his hope is still evident in her life because she's used in the lineage of Jesus. If you want to know what hope is, hope is a feeling of trust, right? It's so hard to trust God in circumstances like that. But if we really lean in and we push our, our hope and our trust into God, he is faithful to follow through. We're going to move on to a story of joy. And this is the story of Ruth. This is one of my very favorite stories in the Bible. Ruth is just such an incredible woman. Joy is a feeling of pleasure or happiness. You can use it as a verb, rejoice. I love rejoice. So the story of Ruth is just an incredible example of commitment. She and her mother-in-law both lose their husbands, and this is over time. But if you watch it, she also lost a brother-in-law. If you read the story, it's incredible. Ruth was committed to stay positive and energetic in her efforts to work and care for her mother-in-law, Naomi. After Naomi's son died, she tried to send her daughter-in-laws back to their families. But what do you know? Ruth refused. She refused to go back to her family. And one of my favorite parts in this whole story is how determined Naomi was to get Ruth to go. I mean, I'm sure she was like, Ruth, you're nuts. I am an old widow. What do I have for you? I have no other sons for you to marry. I have nothing to give you. You have a family to go home to, but Ruth refused. She was committed to Naomi. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because in those times, women were doing day-to-day things together. And I can only imagine that Ruth had spent a ton of time with Naomi. My very favorite part is one of the translations says, I think it says, when um, Naomi is telling Ruth to go, and she realizes that Ruth is not going to go, she stops talking to her. I think it also says that she stops trying to persuade her. But I love the version that says she stops talking to her because, you know, Naomi could have been just a little frustrated with Ruth. This is her daughter. She was married to her son. They had a relationship. She's like, Ruth, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense for you to stay with me. But Ruth was determined. She was a determined woman. Naomi determined to have favor and she was sorry. She was determined to care for Naomi. She was determined to have honor and favor in her life. These women both endured extremely, extremely difficult times. But in those times, Ruth's commitment, it did not waver. And it ended in her favor. When we wrap up this story of Ruth, she ends up marrying Boaz. 
And once again, this leads to her being listed in the lineage of Jesus. So again, I'm asking, did she know? Did Ruth know the importance of her life? Did Ruth know the impact her lineage would have on the world? This wouldn't have happened if she hadn't lost her first husband. I'm not saying that God's plan was to kill off her husband, but I am saying that God can turn everything for your good. And he did this for Ruth. He turned it for her good. And she ended up in listed in the Bible in a time where women were not listed in the Bible, in the lineage of Jesus himself. Nevertheless, no matter what was going on for her, she was faithful to God. She was faithful to her mother-in-law. So the joy that Ruth carried is the joy that is available through us through the Holy Spirit. So we've covered hope. We've covered joy. And now we're going to go into a story about peace. This is a story about Rahab. Unlike Tamar, Rahab was an actual prostitute. She was not just pretending to be one. She lived in the doomed city of Jericho. And I think she feared God. I believe she did. Not only did she fear God, she knew he was the true God of Israel. It says in the Bible, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. But what I want you to take away from this about Rahab is that Rahab was a brave woman. If you think about the times these women lived in, they were completely different from the world we lived in now. Women were used as a commodity. They were tools, even wives. It doesn't matter that she was just a prostitute. Women didn't have a lot of power in these times. But Rahab was a brave woman who brought peace to her own life and to her family's lives. When I think of these stories, sometimes I tend to look at them and think of labeling these women with the bad choices they made in their life. I think the only thing that I actually knew about Rahab when I first started to read her story was that she was a prostitute. Who wants to be remembered as a prostitute? That was her job. That wasn't who she was. That isn't what got her in the lineage of Jesus himself and listed in the Bible. It wasn't just because she was a prostitute. Maybe she was listed there because God can turn good out of any situation, but I believe that it was more than that. It says she knew that God was the God of Israel. She is a very brave, brave woman. She hid spies in her house for whatever reason they were there, and she helped them escape, only asking them to spare her and her family. So this one choice of her sheltering these spies spared her and her family from death. That's a brave woman. She even lied to the king. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a room with people who are powerful, I don't think lying is the first thing I would do. But she knew that these men needed protection. And for whatever reason, she lied and she protected them, which is incredible. It Ultimately, she ends up saving her own family and herself because of it. That is a brave woman to me. She's incredible. I personally haven't saved the lives of any of my family from an oncoming war. I don't know about you. I wouldn't consider myself extremely brave, but 
I would love to be just like her. I'm going to ask you again, did she know? Did she know that God would use her in such a way to save her family, to bring peace to her own life and theirs? She may have been surrounded by war. Can you imagine the times where war, there's war happening right now in the world. We aren't experiencing it ourselves, but there are people living through war. But what can help us in these situations is God's peace. God's peace is usually unexplainable. Anytime I've gone through something extremely hard and experienced God's peace, I've always had people ask me, how are you okay? And I knew in that moment that the peace I had in my heart, it didn't make sense. It was God's peace. It was of God. It was not something I created. It wasn't from myself. It was directly from the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what she received because of it, because of her faithfulness, because of her knowledge of him being the God of Israel. She was included in the lineage of Jesus as well. She was a prostitute who was listed in the lineage of Jesus. In Romans fifteen thirteen, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that may you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit we've talked about hope we've talked about joy and we've talked about peace may the god of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him we just have to lean in and trust him we're going to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we trust in God. We're going to move on to a story of Bathsheba. And sadly, it makes me sad at least, she's not listed by name in the Bible. She's listed by her husband's name, and it says his wife. To make this a short story, though, we're going to get down to like the real nitty-gritty. David spotted Bathsheba bathing on the roof of his, from his palace, and he slept with her, got her pregnant, and had her husband murdered to cover up the affair. Okay, I know that was a really full sentence, but I'm going to read it one more time. He slept with her, got her pregnant, and had her husband murdered to cover up their affair. That's crazy. That's desperation again. And we know that David was a man of God's own heart. David was a man of God's own heart, and he's making mistakes like murder. He is killing people to cover up his own mistakes. I've never killed anyone to cover up my mistake. But God still loved David. So there was a baby born from their union. And this baby died as a consequence, and it was God's judgment on their relationship. But here's the thing I know about God. That wasn't the end of this story. He didn't just kill off this baby and then watch this husband die and then leave Bathsheba and David with nothing. So let's take into context what happened to Bathsheba specifically. She had an affair, either willingly or not willingly. It's debatable among people, and I just love good conversations, so you could debate it later. But she did enter this affair with David, and in turn, she's pregnant. So as a woman, you're having an affair. You have a husband. Now you're pregnant, okay? 
I can see in that situation how I would start to justify and turn it for the good. Like, I have this baby now. Because motherhood really does something to us. I was a young mother, so it completely changed my life. And motherhood does that to us. But can you imagine her being like, okay, now I'm having a child. And the baby dies as a judgment on her and David. Can you imagine how devastated she'd be? These, once again, are real people in real times, in real hard life circumstances. We can look on her and judge her. We can judge David. We can judge their decisions. But what do we really know about their full lives, exactly every moment? What were the things that set them off? What were the things that messed them up or tripped them up? What we do know is Bathsheba became one of David's wives, and she did give birth to Solomon, who is David's chosen heir. And later in life, she reappears as a queen mother whose influential voice secures her son's position. Her presence in the lineage of Jesus speaks to how much God loves us. He turned this story for good. He redeemed these two people, caught in a relationship of possibly unequal power and tainted love, and then restored them to true love and freedom that only God can give us. If God can do that for them, he can do it for us. This is something that's readily available to each of us. God's love, God's peace, his hope, his joy, these are things that we can receive. Sometimes I don't know why I walk through feeling life feeling hopeless. When God is my hope, I just have to spend time with him. I spend time with my kids. I spend time watching the various shows on Netflix. Those things are not filling me up the way God can fill me up. I just have to be with him to receive this joy. I just have to be with him to receive his peace, his hope. And I'm going to encourage you to be with him, to spend time with God. If you are feeling just drudgery about walking through your life right now, he is the answer. He is everything we need. And all we have to do is to turn to him. So I'm going to ask you again, did Bathsheba know? Through all the trials and struggles and loss, did she know that she would be placed in the lineage of Jesus? I don't think she did. She may have known. But did she know the impact that her very own children would have on the world around her, the generations to come? I don't think you can tangibly know exactly the impact that is going to happen on the generations to come. But I do know that God knows, and he is going to work everything out for his good and his favor if we just draw close to him. Now, last but certainly not least for me, we're going to talk about Mary and specifically how Mary's life was one where we see fulfillment of the promises of God. Mary was a woman, in, and in this time, her place in the lineage, I think, is the least debatable. She couldn't be contested. After all, she was a virgin who gave birth to the Son of God made flesh. That is crazy. I love reading the Bible because these stories are more wild than any show I could possibly watch. 
We've had murder. We've had affairs. We've had people sleeping with their father-in-laws and conceiving twins. And they are listed in the lineage of Jesus. This is wild. But I love the story of Mary, which some of us know well. But here is the difference that I see in the life and the fulfillment of God's promise through Mary. Mary knew the importance of this. She knew her purpose. When God came and told her what was going to happen, she believed him. She trusted God and she was an incredible woman and an incredible mother. And if you think about it, she was just a teenager. I'm 32, I cannot imagine God giving me that job. But this was a woman who loved the Lord. And I want to read her song of praise that is written in Luke 1, 39 through 56. We read the beginning of it, but I want to read the rest of it for you today. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has, or he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. This is an incredible praise that Mary is giving to the Lord. And when I look at these specific stories of these women, these mothers, I want you to see God's hand in each of them. There's a reason there was only five women listed in the lineage of Jesus. When we look at them, there's something we are supposed to learn from them. I no longer want to see a desperate woman, but I want to see hope of God and the hope that ultimately shows up in her life. I no longer want to see a prostitute when I'm looking at these women, but a brave woman who knew God, was God of Israel, and accepted his peace. I no longer want to see widows who I think are broken, but I want to see how they carried themselves with God's joy. I no longer want to see an adulteress, but I want to see the redemption power of God's love. And when I look at Mary, I specifically want to see the fulfillment of God's promise to the world. That was the fulfillment of his promise. Jesus is his promise to the world. I want to remind you today that God has a purpose for you specifically. God had a purpose for the generations past and God has a purpose for the generations to come. I wanna receive God's love I want to receive God's hope and God's peace and his joy. And it's available to every single one of us. And I want you to receive it. If you are living in a moment where you feel broken, where you feel hopeless, where you've made mistakes that you don't believe you can be forgiven for, I want to tell you that you're wrong. 
God will forgive you. God will impart his peace and his love and his hope and his joy into your life and into your future. And I want to pray that over to you today. So if you will please bow your heads in your homes and pray with me. God, we are so thankful for your presence and purpose and destiny in our lives, Father. I pray that we leave today feeling your love. God, I pray we leave with your hope, your joy, and your peace, and we remember the fulfillment of your promise in Mary. God, I pray for anyone watching this today that if they have not received you as their Lord and Savior, that today they make that decision. I pray that they lift you up, God, that they trust in you and they place their hope in you today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, now I would love to speak directly to the mothers in the house. So if you are with a mom at home today, I want you to go and you just put your hands on her. I want to remind the moms specifically that you have a destiny in your motherhood. And that because it's Mother's Day, I want to speak directly to that. I want to remind you, there is purpose in your motherhood. Sometimes we forget. We go through the day-to-day schedules, right? We walk through all of the things we're supposed to do each day. We go through our routine. But we have to remember that we are raising the next generation. We are raising the generations to come. We are imparting the gospel into our children who will then carry on to their children and their children after that. And if we don't do that, it's not going to carry on. We have to remember there is so much purpose in our motherhood. There is purpose in everything that happens, the forgetfulness, the fighting, the arguing, the hard decisions. There is, God has a purpose in your motherhood, and I'm not saying it's your only purpose. You have other purposes and destinies that can come right alongside your motherhood. So don't forget that. Whether you stay home or whether you work, God has a purpose for your motherhood, and he has plans for you and for your life. In Psalms 127.3, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord offspring a reward from him we have to remember our children are a reward from the lord sometimes i know in desperation you can feel like your children are a burden to you and then you feel guilty and walk around with guilt because you feel like you just cannot handle it but your children are a heritage from the lord right just as we looked at the heritage of jesus today. God has a purpose on your children and the generations to come from them as well. So I want to pray that we pull some knowledge from each of these stories that we went over today. I want you to know God can turn anything around. He can have a grand impact on the future generations. We might not even see it, but God sees it. It's God's story. It's not our story. So I have faith that in the future generations what i've imparted to the generation below me god is going to use it and carry it on with the generations to follow it's not my story it's god's story so i want to pray specifically over the moms if you're with a mom today please go and place your hands over here on her father today we come to you with gratitude and praise for the mothers that you have given us in our lives God, I pray today that you would just impart blessings on the mothers, that you would impart joy, peace, hope, love. 
God, that you would just be a blessing to their families. God, you'd impart healing on their families and bless them with whatever it is they need. And I'm so thankful for you, God. I'm so thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful for your gift of forgiveness. And I'm so thankful that we don't put our hope in ourselves. We put it in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.